you're very generous. Evening all, my name's Clay, and I brought my nut today. Remember the nut? It's been a while since we did our nut thing. Uh, yes, it's a good nut. Uh, last year, I, uh, I started sharing a, a series um, that was a, a focus on the community of God that the disciples brought together at the beginning of Acts. This is the first church that Jesus' disciples pulled together. And these disciples were the guys who had sat under the ministry of Jesus himself. And full with the Holy Spirit, they started something that was amazing and has changed the world incredibly. And that is the church. And the purest form of this church was that first one that they pulled together, birthed by the Holy Spirit and power. And in Acts chapter 2, from verse 42, we can see the start of their story. And just in this very short passage, uh, the Lord highlights some very key practices and values that are essential to building a community of God's people, a kingdom community. And so, for me, one way to think about it was that like, the kingdom in a nutshell was, was this text in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So uh, we, we, hung out, uh, we hang out all these, these nuts uh, that have got Acts 2.42 to 7 on it. If you don't have a nut, I can hook you up with one later. Um, but uh, we're gonna, it's been a while since we got into this, so we're just going to have another look at one of these uh, tonight. So if you have uh, scripture with you, please turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And Lord, as we spoke in your word now, I pray that you would speak. It would hear your word now and nothing else. And I pray, Lord, it would find a home in our hearts and that you'd be transforming us now. Thank you that you're with us now. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and purpose for us now. Uh, make it happen, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. To prayer. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we have already talked about it tonight. And we were up late last night doing it. God is hammering us with this at the moment. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Do you recall when it was that the Holy Spirit anointed the disciples in power? Do you recall the story of when it actually happened? That's right. It happened uh, at the Feast of Pentecost uh, after Jesus died and rose again in Acts chapter 1. So the time was Pentecost, but the actual occasion of what was happening is this. Acts chapter 1 and from verse 12. When the apostles returned to Jerusalem, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Do you think that was a coincidence? That it was when they were together in one place praying together that that is when the Holy Spirit came on them? 
funny thing about coincidences is that coincidences seem to happen when we pray. And they happen even more when we pray together. So the Holy Spirit coming down on all the believers who would give themselves over to Jesus, happening at the same time when they were together praying, it's a very interesting coincidence. I don't know if you've noticed before, but the core practices of the early church served not only to draw believers to Jesus, but I've become increasingly aware at how they drew the believers to each other. And we've tended to uh, interpret uh, this passage in Acts chapter 2 about uh, what the believers did to think about what our personal discipline should be. We should have personal Bible study because the believers did then. Uh, we, should, uh, we should pray because the believers did then. We should give uh, to uh, the church because the believers did then. But this isn't a story about personal disciplines at all. This is actually a story of corporate disciplines. This is what people did together. It wasn't talking about individuals. It was talking about the church and what they did together. But we often miss this and we make it all about us because we make everything all about us. And so our faith is just all about us and we do our own thing and it's just me and God. When that was not his plan, it never has been. It was always about the church, his bride, of which we are a part. And so the prayer spoken about here in Acts chapter 2 wasn't your quiet time. Oh no, it was what happened when the people of God came together. As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, their minds were unified. And as they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to fellowship, their hearts were unified in real relationships. And as they devoted themselves to the corporate prayer, their spirits were unified. The night that Jesus was arrested, he prayed for us. Did you know that? He prayed for us here. I I love this passage. He prayed for a few things that night. He was anxious. He was worried about what was going to become because he knew that he would be giving his life the next day. And he was a man full of flesh. He didn't sin, but he still was scared. That wasn't a sin. He knew he was going to the cross. And so he prayed. And he prayed that God would possibly even take this cup of suffering from him. But he wanted God's will first. And after praying these things, he said this, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Interesting prayer. As Jesus cast his mind's eye into the future and thought of all of the the believers throughout history who would come to know him. What does he pray for when he thinks of us? Does he pray that we would be free from temptation or that would be strong in the face of adversity? Does he uh, pray that we would be blessed with wealth or we'd have all the power that we need? Interestingly, he prays that we would be one, that we would be unified. I don't know if I would have put that at the top of the list. But God did. So what do I know? The priority for Jesus that night and his great wisdom was that we would be one, that we would be unified. And it is prayer 
that draws us together. When we pray together, our hearts and our minds and our spirits are drawn together. And when we agree together in prayer, our spirits, our minds, our hearts are bound together. This is the power of communal prayer. Corporate prayer and the unity it brings is the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago. This is how this is accomplished. So we should probably do it more. Prayer is so powerful, and not just because God responds to prayer in faith. Prayer is also powerful because we respond to prayer. Prayer changes us. Prayer doesn't change God. God is God, and he's got it all worked out. We don't pray to change God's mind because we've got a better plan. We pray and come into alignment with what God's awesome plan already was. Prayer changes us, and it builds our faith. And when we do it together, it changes our relationships as well. When I pray for Greg, my heart goes out to him. When I pray for him and we don't agree on something, I put aside my own thoughts, my own ideas, and I just lift Greg up to God. My Everything about me and Greg changes. And it changes because I change. I become humbled. I, I, I become passionate about Greg and what God's doing in his life. His welfare and his family become important to me because I'm thinking about him all the time when I'm praying for him. My love for him grows. This has got nothing to do with Greg. This has everything to do with me and me putting myself into that place to pray for him. And this is how God has been, been changing me. And it's, not, and it's the same for all of us. The more we pray for each other, the more that God brings us together and binds us together. But we really do it. And that is sad, but we are doing it more and more. And so I'm encouraged. How many times has someone shared a need with you? A physical need, uh, an illness, maybe there's a job interview tomorrow, and your response has been, oh, I'll pray for you tomorrow. I will pray for you. And then you pat them on the shoulder and then walk away and do something else with the intention of hopefully remembering to pray for them later. I did that this morning, and I will endeavour to try to pray for that person for their job interview tomorrow, but we do that all the time. I will pray for you. I'll put that on the list of things I'll, I'll put to the Lord uh, tomorrow. What we do when we do that is we, uh, we miss an awesome opportunity for people of faith to together offer a petition to God and agree in prayer. And people of faith agreeing in prayer is something very significant. We miss it all the time. I believe God listens to me when I get on my knees and I you know, have my, my prayer time with him. He's there and he's listening. But he said... That when we agree together in prayer, that changes things. That makes things happen. But we blow it off all the time. I don't, I don't know why we do this. Is it not convenient for us to you know, pray right now? I don't know. This was a key practice in the early church and it must become key for us if we want to be a true kingdom community 
and experience the blessing that God has for us. I think it was a guy called uh, Al Scalponi who coined the phrase, a family who prays together stays together. And I don't think this is just true of our biological families. I believe this is also true of the church. Because the church with the big C, and as far as I understand, God only sees one church. One church. But uh, the church is a very uh, dysfunctional family. God's children are estranged and just messed up and it's just all over the place. The World Christian Encyclopedia estimates, and this is I think from 2006, estimates that there are over 33,000 denominations in the world. That's not 33,000 different church communities. That's 33,000 denominations. And more are sprouting up uh, every year. And that's not like church plants, which are a good thing. That's people who are saying, right, I don't agree with you. I'm going to go do my own thing over here. Because we can't agree with each other, 33,000 and growing groups have to go off and do their own thing. That's how messed up and split up we are. That's how disunified we are. And I'm sure that God is really gutted about that. But when Luke wrote the book of Acts, there was only one. Could you imagine a time when there was one church, one denomination, one truth, one spirit, people all moving in the same direction under the leadership of the apostles and with God's word? And they prayed with each other and they prayed for each other. Check out pretty much any letter the Apostle Paul wrote. Read the first chapter. Book, letter, letter after letter after letter. It does two things. He says what he's praying for for this church and then thanks them time and time again for what they are doing, for what they are praying for, that he appreciates their prayers and their prayers for other groups around the place. Back then, the church was, was spread all over the place. I suppose there, were, there were gatherings everywhere, but there was still one church. And they were one church because their hearts were unified and they prayed for each other. If we are really one big family, we don't really act like it very much. Even here in Wellington, we keep splitting and breaking away and we gossip about each other. We say hurtful things about each other. I hear it every other week, people speaking about brothers and sisters of ours and other church groups around Wellington. I'm sure you could probably even think of the one that probably gets talked about the most. We do it all the time. We pick out the differences, the things that they do differently that we don't really like, and, and we bag them. They're part of our family. We don't pray together enough, and we need to fix that. But I think we also need to understand that praying together is different than praying alone. When you're praying alone in your room, you can say whatever you like. It's just you and God. Whatever your relationship is with him and however you can communicate with him, you pray. You be honest. You be yourself. God can take it. You do your own thing. God will understand you completely. And because it's just you and God, it's all good. 
But I want to suggest to you that things get a little different when we bring it here or when we bring it to any gathering when there is more than just me and God. And that's because when there's more than one of us, when there's two or more gathered with God, it isn't just us and God anymore, obviously. Someone else is in the equation. And so what we say and how we say it does actually matter. Because what we say has an impact on that person. And what we say can have a negative impact on them. You ever thought that prayer can be a very malicious thing? You ever had anyone sideways prayer on you before? Like, Lord, I pray that you would uh, heal this brother of the odour that just, just permeates the room when he enters, Lord. Um, just heal him now. <sighs> I've, uh, that's a silly example, but um, but I've, I've, I've been in groups of people are praying, and you, you open your eyes, you think, are you talking about him? You know he's right there as well, don't you? Um, but um, but prayer can be judgmental. Prayer can be self-righteous. And Greg was talking about that this morning. We can judge people and be self-righteous in our prayers. Uh, in fact, prayers are one of the best places to be self-righteous. You turn on uh, the right uh, religious lingo, the right words and uh, put on the right prayer accent. You know what a prayer accent is? You know people have got a prayer accent because they, like, they, they talk normally like this, but then when the prayer goes on, it's, oh, oh Jesus. When, it, when they're talking about Jesus, they'll just say Jesus, but when it's in prayer language, it's Jesus. Everything gets accentuated. And it's, the prayer language comes on, and it's like, it's weird. Um, and um, I don't mean to offend if, you know, you have that. Maybe you can't help it. I'm, I'm doing it now. It's shocking. Uh, but, uh, but we turn it on. Um, but, yeah, when, when we come together, what we say and how we say it actually has an impact on others. And there's a reason why we pray together. God has called us to. There is power in it. It edifies each other when we encourage each other and, and pray together. Um, agreement builds unity. Um, but it can be destructive as well. Prayer can be disunifying uh, if uh, we use it and wield it like a, uh, like a hurtful weapon. Uh, so it can belittle people. Um, it can alienate people. Prayer can confuse people. Um, I see that a lot as well, and the scripture talks about it. So our prayer must be seasoned with grace. Okay, so to season prayer with grace, it means when we come together to pray, our heart position is this. It's unity. It's unity in the body of Christ. I want to pray with my brothers and sisters so Lord, that you would bind us together and we see your purposes accomplished here, not mine. You come in with your own agenda to corporate prayer, well then it's not about seeing God's will, it's about seeing your will accomplished and trying to manipulate people to see your way of things. That's not grace and it's not humble. We put unity first, we put... God's will first, and we come together and we pray. And when we pray, we have to pray in a language that people understand or give an interpretation. So whether you pray in Māori or Afrikaans, Hindi or in tongues, if people do not understand what you're saying, they cannot agree with you. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love, he says. 
and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Those who speak in a tongue edify themselves, but those who prophesy edify the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Those who prophesy are greater than those who speak in tongues, unless they interpret, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, those who speak in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can the others who are now put in the same situation as an inquirer say, Amen, to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough but the others are not edified. So we need to do this whenever we are praying. If we're praying it out loud and we want to build unity, give something, someone something to agree with, something they can understand. Corporate prayer should also be humble. Jesus shared this parable in Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus said, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this accountant. I'm sorry, tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus taught on humble prayer in the Sermon on the Mount as well. Matthew 6, from verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need beforehand. When we come together to pray, it's not to put on a show and show people how spiritual and learned we are. It is a time to put everything aside and just get down before God as a body. 
as a church and let him do something special in us. Build unity. Lead us in his will. I've known so many young people who have been scared to pray out loud because they fear that people would judge them. They would judge what they say. I'll say the wrong thing, I'll get the words wrong. People will think that I don't know what I'm talking about. People will think I'm unspiritual. People will judge me. And I've tried to encourage them, no, 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 that won't happen. But it does. It does. I've heard people talking about other people's prayers afterwards. When we pray together, we must come together graciously. This this is not rocket surgery. Prayer, as Jesus taught it, is simple and honest, and it is powerful. And as we pray together, the power here amplifies. It's like corporate prayer puts, it becomes a magnifying glass. It blows everything up even bigger. This was God's plan for us, that we would be synergized together to something way beyond we could on our own. So this week at Fight or in your life group, pray together. God said that this place, his house, would be a house of prayer. So we need to make that so. Whether it's here or wherever it is that we meet, when we meet together, we must grab our faith, join it together and pray. So, life group this week, Friday on Friday, every Sunday morning, 9am, here, we pray. We pray for what God's going to do in this service. And we pray that it would be huge and it would be in line with his will. Every month, uh, second Tuesday of every month, we meet here to seek God's will and blessing and favour on this house, on this church. Mountain movers. Presence nights like we had last night. But even beyond that, when two or more are gathered, let us in that space just lift up whatever our needs are. Not to say, yeah, I'll pray for that later, but agree there in that moment. And now, right now, I want to I pray together right now, and I want to do it in a way that we don't do very often. I want to start, but I want us to all stand together, and I want us to hold hands. I want us to be physically united And we're going to pray some things together. And the power is in joining our faith and agreeing together. Now, if you don't agree with what I'm about to pray, you don't have to say amen. I'm holding your hand, dude. It's all good. You know, if you don't agree, don't say amen. This this is about about honest. But if you agree with what what I pray and you want this, then you put your faith on that and you claim it. Yes, Lord. Amen. And so, Lord, right now, together, a whole lot of your children, sons and daughters, right here, stand united. And we want everything that you have for us. Lord, we recognize that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, and that every good gift comes from you. And we want what you have for us, Lord. As the rock, Lord, we want your will. We want your truth. We want your power. 
So we, we pray, Lord, you would make that known among us. Individually, Lord, as your sons and daughters, and together as this church, as the body here. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us to continue to walk forward in truth. Every day we would find more and more revelation of you, that you would give us deeper and greater understanding of you and your will for us. Lord, I pray that you would unify us, Lord. We have been through some tumultuous times lately, times we don't understand, a lot of us, many of us. But, Lord, I pray you would unify us despite this, that what we have in common would be greater than what we don't, that we would hold on to those core truths and we'd work out the rest together. Lord, to accomplish this, I pray you would give us a love for each other beyond what we have. Love from you, Lord, your love, that agape love, that we would love you and each other. And we would treat each other with that love and grace. We pray, Lord, that your grace would abound in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. That's good. I want to do more of that. I find there's a number of times Greg will preach something and it's like, man, that is for us. I want to agree on that together. But um, it's quarter to seven, so we've got, um, I want to take a little more time. That was good. Let's do more of that. But also, let's um, grab some people around us and let's grab some needs. What, uh, what have people got on their hearts they want to lift to God? Let's lift that together. Let's add our faith together. Let's uh, get some agreement in prayer and petition for each other. Okay, is that cool? Good. Right, small groups, those around you, let's pray. And if you hear any testimonies, come and whip them forward as well. All right? Good.